0: Well, folks, welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. This is Lisa Anderson here with you and a little preview of what's coming up for our inbox. A listener struggling with self-confidence because he is shorter in height and he's wondering what does true confidence look like and how do you balance that with humility? Our friend Josh Zajczyk is going to answer that. And then for our culture segment, our friend Dr. Carl Benzio, he's a psychiatrist, is back again. He recently went on a trip to Warsaw, Poland, where he met with Ukrainian refugees, and we're going to hear about his trip, what he learned, and how we can be praying for those who have been impacted by war and what that means for us, When and specifically with his insight of what that means in addressing trauma in uh, our own lives, as well as recognizing it in the lives of others. So... All right. Well, here we are for our roundtable, and we thought it would be neat to have a conversation around the topic of worship. Now, I don't know if there's anyone out there who can think of worship without thinking of like worship songs, worship teams. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't just think like worship and all of a sudden you're like fog machines, lighting, whatever. <laughs> like that's all part of it. So, I have assembled a group of great folks here and we're going to talk about worship today and how we can worship really in everyday life. And so I have got Jesse and Hannah and Chris here. Hey y'all.
1: Hey, hey, hey. hey.
0: Good to have you. Um okay, so I did this kind of to start. I actually looked up the definition of worship. So, And I'm going to start by saying that I kind of hate it. Um, So this is is how the dictionary defines worship. It just says the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. So I thought that sounded a little loosey-goosey because I'm like, what, the feeling or expression? I don't know. I'm just like feeling. It just sounds kind of weird. So instead, I had to um, go to my personal friend, Tim Keller and I did look up because I knew that he would have said something on this you know at some point um, what worship is and I thought he had a really good he had tweeted this a while back um, and he just says the word worship is from old English worth ship the ascribing of highest worth whatever you value or love the most whatever is your greatest source of significance and security you are worshiping in your heart worship in church is just an expression of that So I thought that was a little more descriptive and a little more helpful.
1: That blows um, the other one out of the water. <laughs> I kind
0: of, yeah. <laughs> I, almost oh when you can provide a little more context around it. you know. But that whole ascribing worth to something, and of course, anything that you put on that pedestal mm-hmm. that is going to be what you look to for value, um, for your own worth even, is something that you ultimately are probably going to worship. And of course, you know, we've talked about this on the show too, in tandem with that is kind of the concept of idolatry, when you have mm-hmm. something up there that is not... Uh, in its rightful place, namely in God's place, um, you know, then things can get problematic. So now I was going to say, <laughs> okay, but you all define worship. And now that Tim Keller has, can we really even, you know, continue in that? But that said, I want to twist it a little bit and say, okay, thinking that through and what I just said about worship, how does that play out in your life? Like when you're thinking of worship applied in your life in an average week, um What are some connotations and some things that come to mind
1: yeah i really see it as what you give your time to Hmm. um yeah through the week is you're giving your time to things again the thing that you have your heart set on the most you're going to be giving the most time to Mm -hmm. and time is something that you can't get back so it is a very precious resource to give Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i absolutely agree that was the first thing that came to mind like Just in general, what am I giving myself to in a week? What am I giving my money to? What am I giving, yeah, my time, Mm -hmm. my thoughts, my energy? Even like I think about screen time. What am I, you know, (laughs) what am I giving my screen time to? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, things like that. What am Mm I giving over um, throughout my week?
0: Yeah. How about
2: you, Jesse?
3: When I think of worship, I think of it as adoration and reverence to God. So, Mm -hmm. and I try showing it in everything that I do um, throughout the week. Mm -hmm. So that even includes uh, work you know mm-hmm. not just singing and praising which is all great but um i think of colossians three twenty three, when um, uh, whatever you do do it as if unto the lord
0: mm-hmm. which is yeah.
3: yeah i guess that's the king jesse version yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well because it really says you know what whether in word or in deed yeah and including yeah. yeah including our work i think that's good Um, So to that point, because you kind of opened that up, Jesse, what would you guys say, what does worship look like for you then in in the various ways? Because if you're trying, I mean, and we'll probably circle back to things that we put in the place of Mm -hmm. worshiping God, because that tends to be, it Mm -hmm. tends to trip us up a lot. But what are great ways that you um, have found to express worship to God?
1: Yeah. um, A lot of the time it's, Inconvenience isn't the right word, but just taking time away from what you've scheduled for your day to do something extra. Uh, For me, a lot of the time it's having conversations with family members that I wasn't planning on where I might be staying up a lot later to like talk and be there for somebody. Or even at work, put in some extra time on a project or even take some time to pray during that and possibly missing a deadline because of the fact of trying to, again, worship God and just be close with him. Ultimately,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I would definitely say um, just thinking about the Lord and being in awe and, and being intentional about that because I think it's easy to go about our work days or just general weekdays mindlessly. But if we're really mindful about, you know, on my drive home, wow, mm. God, look at the fall colors like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know how great is our creator and, and things like that. I think being mindful and worship music certainly helps me with yeah. that. It helps, you know, <laughs> sure. tune my heart mm-hmm. and, and, and tune my mind to thinking about the goodness of God. But I think even in everyday things, um, being mindful and the thought of taking every th- thought captive mm-hmm. is big for me.
3: Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the... Being intentional, part that makes a lot of sense to me too. Um, and finding the time, mm. um, drive home is always great, and drive to work. You know, some people are more of a morning person, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and some aren't. Um, when I'm leaving my house and getting to work super early, seems like it half the time, mm. it's nice to bring it all in and be yeah. like, okay, I'm whatever I'm doing, God, I'm doing this for you. So, and I thank you for this opportunity. And you know, just mm-hmm. go into a whole praise and worship there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I um, it's funny because I think of you know, we often don't think of worship, or or we do think of it mostly in a positive sense, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm feeling so good. I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. I'm so God is so amazing. Whatever. Mm-hmm. But for me, actually, worship often comes in a time where I'm tempted to distrust or to question Mm. God. And Mm -hmm. so for me, an act of worship would be taking a fear that I have or a desire to control something and choosing to turn that over to God. And it's like, again, it's toppling whatever's struggling to climb up onto the altar and instead putting God up there. And I find that that often just having that mental picture in my head and saying, nope, you're not going up there. God's (laughs) up there. I need to not be fearful. I need to not be doubtful in this. I need to put effort towards believing God and trusting his promises and in doing yeah. that I sense that as an act of worship and I think that's been really helpful for me Um Again, because we're talking about everyday life, I would like to, you know, Jesse kind of brought this up, um, go back to work a little bit, because we spend so much of our lives working in in various (laughs) capacities. But I think a lot of, you know, y'all, some of us work in quote unquote ministry or whatever, but then we get into ministry and then we feel disappointed because it feels like a job, you know, or else other people (laughs) are like in a corporation or they're teaching at a school and they're like... Mm what does this have to do with worship? How do yeah. I work <laughs> and worship? You know. So what are some good ways that you guys have seen um, yourself be able to apply the concept of worshiping through your work?
1: Taking extra time to do things and maybe going back just again to make sure that you're showing God in what you do as opposed to showing what like Chris can do, hmm. mm-hmm. basically. like There's plenty of projects that come across my desk that I'll be like, all right, that sounds good. But being able to put the extra shine on there and polish is really what's going to be the difference between God getting the glory Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, just it being something else that's out there, Mm -hmm. ultimately.
0: Mm -hmm. That's neat.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think devotion to excellence is big Mm -hmm. for me. Going the extra mile to add to the team in whatever way, Mm -hmm. um, whether you work at a ministry or not, I think can really give God the glory Mm -hmm. and I don't know if this is related, but this is like super practical that Mm -hmm. it came to mind. The other week at work, I just like, you know, I normally like read my Bible in the morning and then get on with my day and work. But that day I just like kept it open to what I read that morning. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised at how many times I went back to it, Mm -hmm. you know, just in like little moments I would like look over and be like, oh yeah, that's what I read this morning and Mm -hmm. was reminded um, in that moment. So that was really helpful and even just a motivator of like, yes, this is why I work. Um, I work unto the Lord. I work with excellence, not for myself or my boss or, yeah. you know, any of this, but unto mm-hmm. the Lord. That was that a good so reminder. Cool. Yeah, because yeah. you, you
1: can literally do that anyway. That's so cool.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> it, it was, I was like, this is so simple, but yeah. it, it really, it was powerful. So.
0: Well, and even putting that thought forward and recognizing and giving credit, you know, both of you guys kind mm-hmm. of alluded to this, giving credit to God for everything even that we're offering back to him Mm -hmm. in the sense of, I have a brother-in-law who's very, he's like an inventor and he has like some patents and he's just super brilliant and creative. And I'm always struck by how people will ask him about some of his inventions or how he came up to him. And and often he will say like, yeah, he's like, it's like God just gave me this idea or God. And he always gives (laughs) God the credit, even though he has a PhD from Stanford and he has, he never is like, I'm pretty smart. And so I came up with this, you know, while I was, it's just always like, you know, God really led me to this idea or gave Mm -hmm. me. And I think that's a great opportunity for us to kind of put ourselves in a rightful place in that as well. Okay, well, let's put a kind of a flip side on that of like, if we are, all of a sudden we get into a funk or we get into a rut where we cease to look at Mm -hmm. God, cease to worship God. And it might just be, you know, we've... Kind of fallen away maybe from community for a while, or we have not been in God's word or really, you know, focusing on Him and stuff. How have you seen that adversely affects the way you go about life in any given week?
1: Yeah, I've, uh, we were talking about some of this yesterday, and it, I really see is when you fall away, it's like, you're not going to die, but it's kind of like eating junk food. Like it'll fill you up, but it's not going to sustain you. Mm -hmm. And it's scary to think about that again, like it's comfortable, but it's something that you have to be intentional about to get your way back into worship. And by just giving a little bit of your time each day, like more and more, there's 168 hours in a week. And The more of those hours, how do you even know that? It was actually in a sermon. (laughs) Oh, Okay, it it was in a sermon that I I watched. Pull back and check that. By the way,
0: I just had to get clarity on that. Okay, thank you, Chris. Did did
1: not pull that out of my head. I saw it somewhere recently. (laughs) Okay, good. But um, yeah, it's just I honestly think that the more of that time that you can give to God, the more of that like actually like meat and potatoes that you get as opposed to just like talkies. Mm -hmm. Not not hating on talkies, but.
2: Thank my, you for clarifying. Yes. That. <laughs>
4: yeah, good. Okay.
2: Yeah, I've heard in, you know, my friends' lives and even my own, when we fall away from worship, whether, you know, thinking about the Lord, listening to worship music, or just reading our Bible every day, I tend to desire it less. Mm-hmm. I tend to desire to spend time with the Lord because I think, you know, yesterday was a fine day. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> anything spectacular. So if I don't read my Bible again... Today will mm-hmm. be fine, mm-hmm. you know that's okay. But it, um, it is a scary thought to yeah. think like, oh Lord, I do not, I do not want to desire you less. I want to mm-hmm. desire you more. So that thought, I don't know, has kind of struck me. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. I think it's easy to get out of the habit of daily worship or reading the Bible every day. And but but once it happens, oftentimes your demeanor can just change, and you're like, what's happening yeah. to mm-hmm. me, and all that type of stuff. And then you realize you haven't been communing with God, you know, your source, mm-hmm. yeah. And for me, most of the time, that's when I'm when I feel I need to get back right with, you know, my father. Yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And I loved what you said earlier, Lisa, about like essentially kicking off the other idols from like the (laughs) altar in your life is worship. Like Mm -hmm. saying no Mm -hmm. to that particular sin is a worshipful act. Mm -hmm. I really liked that.
0: Um, I, It gets me to thinking of, too, you know, sometimes we just, it, I also referenced community and the, mm. the impact that community yeah. can have on us. Because so often someone else's experience of God or just where he's met them or met their need or whatever can be an encouragement to us. And mm-hmm. I think it's so helpful for us to be able to share with one another. And even mm. hearing, you know, when I have a friend who's just like, oh, my goodness, here's how God answered this prayer of mine and stuff. Yeah. It's like wow, that's awesome, you know, mm-hmm. and you can enter in that with them. What would you say, like, for that person who feels like they're just struggling or they don't really get it or they're kind of like, oh, I don't really know what you guys are talking about. Let's give maybe a few creative ideas to make worship a consistent part of our life and um and i'll kick it off because i actually just did this the other day i went away for a few days with some of my best friends and we did uh we just booked a vrbo up in the mountains um because we were supposed to do a super awesome vacation but it got <laughs> sidelined because of um natural disasters oh, no. anyway um But one of my friends, we all we decided that we were going to do a few like intentional exercises where each of us would like bring something to the table and either start a discussion or we would do an activity or something. But my friend Sherry, she came and we did we read a couple passages of scripture and we had to reflect, uh, answer a few questions around them. And the whole concept or the whole theme of it was around flourishing and what it means to flourish Mm -hmm. using Mm -hmm. passages from Psalms and Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. And then she brings us over to a table and she had like watercolors set out hmm. and these papers and she led us through this guided watercolor. And I am like, the first thing I see the watercolors and I'm like, uh, tapping out here. I'm not an artist. <laughs> I don't know why we're doing this. This is goofy. Are we all in like kindergarten, whatever? But I did it. And it was like just a way of like training your mind in a yeah. different way to think through a passage of scripture. And there were just elements of the scripture hmm. that she had us like, paint just around like random. It was just like painting certain things of like a tree and flourishing. And then she talked us through certain things. And I was like, that is really legit. It ended up being (laughs) such a great exercise for me so that I wasn't just caught in the same rut of doing the same thing. So I appreciated her doing that. I
2: love that. I know.
0: I'm telling you, do watercolors people. (laughs) I would have never come up with that on my own. So I'm very grateful for Sherry's artistic creative bent. So any, yeah. any other ideas for folks?
1: Um, the way that I started getting closer was uh, there was, I used to watch motivation. Uh, yeah. Like 15 minute motivational like Christian videos every morning they have. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the channel to save my life. I, um, but they have uh, it's just a cut up sermons where they're all talking about the same thing. And it just kind of gives you a message to start your day with and I honestly think that if you can give the very beginning of your day to Jesus, that it makes the rest of your day a lot easier to get to that point of worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: That's cool. That When you said motivational, it reminded me, you guys are all too young for this, but like when I was in youth group, there was this thing called the power team. And it was these guys that would go around to like schools and they'd like, you know, do all this like – um you know, chopping cinder blocks <laughs> and kicking stuff down and everything. And then they'd share scripture. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, Jesse, I think you need to bring that back. No. Yes. I <laughs> think they came <laughs> to my
2: church. <laughs> <laughs> they were, all over. Around, they were you guys.
0: all over. They were all over. <laughs> they were, yeah, it was pretty cool. So, That's incredible. Yeah. What other ideas would you guys have?
2: When I think of creative, worshipful ideas, I think prayer comes to mind a lot, mm-hmm. like creative ways to remember what I've prayed about, what God has answered, Um, and so I even think about, you know, in college we would do similar things where we would have like art night and you could like, you know, write prayer requests or write verses on different art things and, Mm -hmm. um, different art things, meaning watercolor or, Mm -hmm. um, some people would like sketch a little or something. And I'm also not super artsy. So that necessarily didn't appeal to me, but I think like a prayer chain or keeping prayers that I'm. Trusting the Lord with hoping um, and trusting that he will answer nearby. So like, Mm. you know, putting them at my desk, putting them on my mirror, like on little index cards. I used to carry a set of index cards with like a binder clip in my purse of just things that I would pray for. And if I was waiting at the DMV or, you know, waiting in line at the grocery store, it was super easy to just pull those out. Yeah. Yeah. When I think of creative ways of worship, I think prayer comes to mind first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because I might have said this already, but like prayer and worship are kind of just avenues of fellowshipping with God so yeah. and I I Absolutely. liked your whole art angle um, yeah. <laughs>
0: oh it wasn't mine Trusty. trust me just, this is like all new information yeah. for us I'm just yeah. like whoa. yeah
3: and for people who may or may not be all that great at art maybe a trip up to the mountains or the beach or a nearby lake or whatever mm-hmm. and yeah. just seeing the actual beauty that God's created, you know, mm-hmm. so things like that would get me into the zone.
1: Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. like
0: get you out of your normal space. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I even think in that sense, sometimes, you know, because we often so classically think of worship as music, you know, mm-hmm. like, are we doing worship? What's the worship in church today? <laughs> Whatever most people yeah. think of, like, what we're singing. And I think sometimes mixing it up, like, beyond your normal worship style or even style of Mm. music can be good because it allows you to focus a little more on the lyrics and stuff yeah yeah. so kind of to that point final question just as a fun (laughs) one is what would be your go-to worship song or a fun just a song that you always can just kind of be like oh i just love that it just allows me to focus it's just so meaningful to me
1: if i could say two
0: okay we'll (laughs) let you say two
1: it's so hard (laughs) um waymaker which i feel like everybody knows super basic but I love that song so much and it's that my connection to it is because of the fact that um, like it just god's put some huge undeniable promises in front of my life and it just it gives me so much hope uh to listen to it and whenever it comes on on shuffle when I've like I've heard that already. God, did you put that back in the playlist? It, mm-hmm. It's awesome. And then uh, the other song is uh, With You by Elevation Worship. It's okay, incredible. It's uh, it's just a song about waiting. So both of those are kind of synonymous, one in the same.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. The first one that comes to mind for me, I'm sure we all have lists and lists of worship songs that have <laughs> meant a lot to us in our journey, but Yet Not I, But Christ in me that uh, that is mine
0: so you need to retract it and
2: come up with something else <laughs> <laughs> this always like, happens to us i, I
0: know. think i yeah I know. it's okay i'll <laughs> it's let you okay. say it okay whatever thank you you can also <laughs> but it gets two votes it, yeah, it gets yeah, two yeah. votes
2: yes. okay um i think it's by sovereign grace music um mm-hmm. and i yeah city per- of
0: light Oh, the, City of Light. But they're they do stuff in the sovereign grace space, so mm-hmm. they're out of Australia.
2: Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you deserve this <laughs> yeah, song. Well, <laughs> you obviously know yeah. more about it than I do. That's um okay. but I didn't grow up with a lot of hymns and all that song is fairly hymn like mm-hmm. I think in its, you know, style and lyrics. And um yeah, it just gets me thinking about the Lord and, and causes me to surrender mm-hmm. the like mm-hmm. main lyrics of Yet Not I through but Christ in me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Little funny side note on that, I have um, you know, where you set your alarms on your phone and stuff. So I have that's my current alarm to get up to mm. is that song. Um, which notably, I replaced Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train, <laughs> and so I will say that's that using yet not yeah. I but through Christ has just gotten uh, to Chris's point. My day off to a yes. better start <laughs> for I'm, Okay,
2: I'm also glad it didn't make you not like the song because yeah. I feel like sometimes alarm songs oh. that I put, I'm like, Amen. I just want to hit snooze. Yeah, no, it's just like a
0: super chill, peaceful that's way to so wake up good. in the morning. I like it. So, yeah. how about you, Jesse? I feel like I have two
3: extremes. Um, anything that's Kurt Franklin is, oh, yeah. is pretty much cool. Um, but then I'll turn around and listen to Jesus is All the World to Me or The Solid Rock, you know, mm-hmm. classic hymns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I did try the alarm thing well, f- <laughs> with classic hymns, but I found that I just sleep through them. And, oh. so okay. That didn't work. A good <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh my christ. dreams are peaceful yeah
0: <laughs> just sleep through them oh that's pretty good okay well mine i will say then i'll go since hannah said one of mine um one other is since i talked about the whole like replacing other idols with christ and mm-hmm. toppling them off the altar um, especially for me with fear and control mm-hmm. is the old i mean i learned it as a kid the whole the song that says i cast all my cares upon you i yeah. lay all my burdens yes. down at your feet and it's just okay. like four lines but it's just such a great like refrain to sing over and over in my yeah. head when i'm very angsty or fearful or worried about something so that's a another good go-to one for me so well you guys thank you so much for weighing in on this topic this has been awesome
2: yeah, do try thank you for
0: folks, we are here for our culture segment. And if you have listened to the show for a while, you know, Dr. Carl Benzio, He is a friend of Boundless and Focus on the Family uh, because he is part of our Physicians Resource Council uh, that gives a lot of insight, wisdom, advice, uh, research, expertise to medical issues and beyond, whether that's culturally or personally, everything that affects the family. And so uh, we often pull him into the studio when he is around so that we can ask him questions (laughs) that are going to benefit you. And so uh, actually this week we have a really fun conversation with him because he just came back several months ago from a trip to Poland where he had the opportunity to minister to uh, some of the Ukrainian people who are refugees there, obviously, in the wake of the uh, – uh, well, I'm saying wake, like the wake of the onset of the mm-hmm. war and really the um, – you know, the unrest that's going on over there. And so um, when he is not traveling and doing the things that we're talking about today, he is a psychiatrist, he's an author, he's a speaker, um, he basically is the medical director of the Honey Lake Clinic in Greenville, Florida, and also founder of the Lighthouse Network, which is a nonprofit ministry that really has a lot of faith-based resources for people struggling with addiction in particular, and married with three daughters. So, Dr. Carl, welcome back.
4: Hey, great to see you again, Lisa. Thanks for having me.
0: Always good to have you. We were just talking before we started taping about how he now lives On the Jersey Shore, I'm noticing a bit of a tan. So, um, but summer, you know, has come to an end. And so we have well, to I play pickleball. Get... I'm a pickleball oh,
4: addict. Okay. So I will play pickleball all through the winter outside. So I will hopefully keep my tan. They are saying but, uh,
0: that that was just like the COVID pandemic sport of choice that now has just gone gangbusters. It so. was, even though you, you know, yeah. you
4: touch a ball and you share a ball and you're <laughs> right. close to each other. It's like okay. totally anti-COVID and <laughs> contagion. But you know as pickleball lovers, we, that was our escape and we <laughs> love it. Yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. So, well, clearly on the front end of the summer, I think it was May, right, that you made your trip um, Mm -hmm. over to uh, Warsaw, Poland. And uh, interesting, fun fact, you are part Ukrainian. And so tell us a little bit about... Um, you heard about the conflict. Clearly, you knew what was going on between Russia and Ukraine and uh, maybe saw or anticipated an opportunity to go there and and serve. But I know your timing got delayed. Tell us kind of how this transpired.
4: Yeah. So I'm um, part Ukrainian and uh, we still at Easter and Christmas, we still make our own homemade pierogies as part of our family mm-hmm. tradition. And, um so whenever this conflict has been going on for a couple of years, it's been brewing. Uh, but whenever Russia invaded Ukraine, I was, you know, very angry and sad and frustrated. And I'm just sort of a fighter in general <laughs> and a competitive sports kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so, Hey, we need to stand up for, you know, fight injustice, and uh, we need to do something and, um, our country needs to do some more. And I've been over to Iraq and Uganda and Kenya in very difficult situations. And, uh, I, you know, it felt, well, God, you know, if, if there' any place for me to go, this is the one mm-hmm. you want me to go to. And so I started calling a bunch of friends and mission agencies and nothing was opening up. I was just getting really frustrated. And um, I now work with the American Association of Christian Counselors. I'm their medical director. They do a lot of, uh, have a lot of great therapists and in uh, missions activities. And um, so we were trying to figure out what we can do to get to Ukraine, and we couldn't find any open doors again. So, Me and another lady, Jennifer Eilers, who does a lot of critical incident debriefing and crisis management, were like, okay, well, maybe let's put together some uh, training resources so that we can do online training for them. And we're in the process of putting that together. And then all of a sudden, this phone call comes up. So this is back in February when things started. So I get this call in May. And this guy, who uh, Todd Lampier, who works with CityServe and was in the Trump administration uh, working with the Trumps and Ivanka Trump, uh, called and said, hey, CityServe is over there. We're uh, you know, providing a lot of uh, aid, but there's a lot of compassion fatigue. Can you come over and help us work with these pastors that are struggling with compassion fatigue? And within a week, everything sort of came together for me to go over there. Well, they invited my Uh, wife to come as well. She's a nurse. It wasn't quite right fit for her. It's one week real quick. So I said, hey, my wife can't come, but I have a daughter, Gigi, who just graduated and she's an art therapy uh, major. Can I bring her over? Thinking that, well, I can do some work with the, there's going to be like 100 pastors and their wives. I can do some work with them and my daughter can do some art therapy so we can have some lectures, some experiential and they said, wow, that's great. If she can come, does she mind working with kids? And she really loves to work with kids. And they said, we're going to be going to these refugee camps with a bunch of these kids there. Would she mind doing some art therapy with them? So mm-hmm. now if they would have asked me in February to go, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to take Gigi, my daughter, because mm-hmm. she was still in college. She didn't yeah. graduate till May 5th. I get the call May 12th. We're going over on May 19th. So in God's you know, perfect timing and wisdom, this all sort of unpacks you know, not for me, but for my daughter, she and I had never done a missions trip together. I'd done two with my older daughters. Yeah. Um, so this was an opportunity for us to work together for her and her faith to get stronger in her faith, to see some of these situations that are, you know, very impactful and uh, seeing just sort of Christians at work and these pastors that were over there and what they did. So, and it was yeah. a powerful trip just for us to go and bond together <laughs> and hang out as father and daughter too.
0: That's cool. So give us an idea of like what you saw and experienced when you got there. Was it what you were expecting or what were a couple of things that stood out to you?
4: Yeah. So, um, Whenever the people started evacuating from Ukraine, Warsaw, which is about an hour and a half over the border, uh, is the closest major capital. Mm -hmm. And so what they were trying to do is process these people so they can go to wherever, England, Israel, Germany, get moved along. Mm -hmm. So these pastors in Poland were told, hey, we just need you to take in people for like a week or so. Allow them to get processed and they'll move out of your church. We just Mm -hmm. need a sort of week. But all these people coming over, they didn't want to leave. Mm. Their their uncle, their husband, their father, their brother, their son were over in Ukraine fighting and so they didn't want to go too far and they thought that it was going to be over pretty soon so mm-hmm. we'll be able to go back in. So nobody wanted to leave Warsaw. So Warsaw went from 5 million people to 6.5 million people in just a month and a half. Oh, wow. So this explosion of people. So whenever we went over there, um, we were visiting these refugee camps which were basically churches that were now co opted as dormant yeah. So the whole sanctuary was just a bunch of cots or mattresses uh-huh. on the floor in the sanctuary. One of them was a restaurant that the uh, pastor had bought so that he could expand his congregation. And now instead of a restaurant, the restaurant was now uh, a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And the upstairs apartment was a four-room apartment, two bedrooms, a living room, and a, um, a kitchen. Now mm-hmm. went from his family of six to now 27 people living in this little mm-hmm. you know apartment kind of thing. And so that's what we saw everywhere. Uh, one pastor bought a casino because of COVID, a lot of businesses went out of business, so he was able to rent out this casino. So now we're walking in, and it has these like cheesy '70s-ish casino trappings <laughs> and tapestry and curtains. Mm-hmm. But now there's like 150 people in there living, and there's you know there's curtains or sheets <laughs> mm-hmm. that you know divide and make bedrooms or private areas. Yeah. And there's you know you see a zillion shoes you know when you walk in because there's just all these people living in these areas, and so you saw very few men. Uh, you saw a lot of women, a lot Mm. of children grandmothers, aunts um, you know the men are all fighting or unfortunately dead Um, so there's all these women and there's just a lot of hope a lot of resilience, mm. uh, but the pastors were just overwhelmed of thinking that you know, they were already stretched to start with, but then to take on all these people yeah. um, was just overwhelming for them. So there was just a lot of compassion fatigue with the service I was providing. The right. CityServe is this organization like a Samaritan's Purse that comes into crisis situations and provides care. Uh, so they would provide a whole lot of relief, um, but they just wanted to put on an event for them to bring them to a nice hotel in Warsaw, okay. get massaged, get pampered, have mm-hmm. some good food food, get away from the the trials and tribulations, and then I would do some teaching, and my daughter did some art therapy with them uh, when they were at the retreat.
0: So what would you say, I mean, clearly, as a psychiatrist, you have seen patients, you know, with many along the spectrum of trauma in a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different um, gradiated levels of that and whatever, and clearly, war scene, you know, separation. I mean, this is going to be a a prime um, kind of environment for that. But what about this experience helped you see trauma maybe through a lens that you haven't experienced before? And what did you particularly feel called to offer while you were there?
4: Yeah, I think what I saw was uh, sort of two different categories. One is people that were had had been traumatized, they weren't used to these kind of traumas, and they were just raw Mm. with emotion and feelings that they were trying to keep in because to show hope or to, you know, they have their kids Mm -hmm. next to them and they don't want to look overwhelmed and, Mm -hmm. hey, I got to keep on fighting on to, you know, keep this air of positivity or hope with, you know, their sons and daughters there. Then the other one was uh, people that, they were probably still in shock, mm. and um, they didn't really know what was going on. They know some, you know, they've experienced some difficult things, but it's just it's either foreign to them or just distant. They were just able to compartmentalize that and just keep on plugging and chugging because this is what we have to do to get through this to get day-to-day or meal-to-meal or get our kids some kind of normalcy mm-hmm. in the process. So uh, with both groups, trying to help them understand their feelings talk about their feelings, find a safe place for their feelings, um, but be able to allow them out in a sort of a graduated, controlled kind of way instead of not at all or just a volcano Mm -hmm. that erupts and floods. You know, what's that pacing of it? Um, So that was with the Ukrainian people. With the pastors, um, a lot of them were just hearing hearing people's stories was something I think that they just weren't hearing these traumatic stories. And it was just there was no outlet mm-hmm. where there was no opportunity to vent, and it was just battle fatigue day mm-hmm. after day after day of hearing, as opposed to, well, I can hear these stories for a week, but then I don't really have to hear them for a month, and then I'll take on some more refugees. It was just a constant flow. Yeah. So they were just sort of getting overwhelmed and beat down, and what I was hearing from them and some of the small group and breakout groups that it was doing with them was uh, that other people places in their life that there were struggles were starting to come forth with difficulty. So whether there was a marriage conflict or whether there was, you know, issues with their child or um, issues with a, a brother-in-law one guy had that um, that was drinking, but they, um, you know, the wife wanted him to still be in the house, but, the, you know, they'd given him a bunch of chances, so the husband wanted him out of the house. And now mm-hmm. this was creating a lot of friction for them and their marriage and things that they usually navigated pretty well in the past, but now their bandwidth for dealing with any other stressors in their life was just very limited. And so every little stressor was now a big pressure point and pushing them apart or just weighing on them in big ways. So trying to figure out how do we just simplify life and just focus on what are the basics and the essentials right now. And we'll deal with those kind of things later on. Again, this is a country that doesn't have very much um, psychiatric care mm-hmm. or mental health services, you know, in the U.S. We're frustrated with the uh, frustrating behavioral health services we have here, but compared to every other country, you know, we're, yeah, we're light years past what most other countries have. So, um, you know, try to hard to you, you feel bad whenever you're leaving, knowing that boy, I'm not quite sure they're going to have the plugins that they're going to need in this ongoing kind of way. Right.
0: Well, you alluded to the fact that your daughter Gigi went with you, fresh with a freshly minted art therapy degree. And I love um, you had kind of shared a little bit um, before we started taping about what she had the opportunity to do while she was over there. And I thought the specific project that she had these kids do is so visual and so helpful. And I would love for you to explain what that was and what some of the outcomes were that she saw
4: yeah so um you know she did a lot of different art exercises with the kids helping them uh draw things that they uh loved that they missed that they had to let leave behind uh, but in one refugee center, we went in, and uh, she had a really neat project that she thought of was um to make a worry box, so she had sort of a piece of cardboard, and it had perforations on it so you could fold it up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what they did initially when it was flat would, uh, on each of the six sides, they would write something that they really loved or they liked or an interest of theirs or uh, something they cared for. Uh, So they decorated the box Mm -hmm. with, you know, positive things that they liked. And they were able to put the box together. And these were kids that were, some of them were three years old up to like 17, 18 years Mm. old. Uh, So we had a whole age range and they're all speaking Ukrainian Mm -hmm. or Russian. Um, So we're working through translators. So some of the translators and the people that are working in the refugee center are also part of this because they've been traumatized in a bunch of different ways. Mm. So it's called a worry box. So they're putting the decorating the outside of it with things that they like. And then... The next step was to, on little pieces of paper, to write, uh, either draw a picture or write a word or, you know, things that they lost or things that worry them or things that they're afraid of happening Mm. or concerns for the future. And they would roll those up and put them into their little worry box. Mm. Um, And then on the top of the box, they would put a picture of Jesus Mm. on the top so that Jesus, when they closed it and opened it, they would see the picture of Jesus to sort of guard over and watch over their their mm-hmm. troubles and worries. So that would be something that they could just sort of just very in a pictorial kind of way or a very practical way, take a worry and put it in there and show that, give them some sense of control mm-hmm. or power over it and bring a spiritual element to it. Mm-hmm. And to see that in um, you know, with their worry, there was something bigger than their worry. Both the outside of the box with their hopes and their the positive things in their life, as well as Jesus. And so it was a real neat experience to hear the kids talk about the things that they were afraid of or worried about, and um, have a discussion about that. And some of it was humorous, and some of it was sad and, mm-hmm. and tear jerking. But one of the ladies came up to us afterwards and she said, a, a really cool part of it is that these kids really have nothing of their own. Mm-hmm. Everything they have, most of them left with just the clothes that they were wearing at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so everything else that they have has been given to them, whether it's food, whether it's a, a desk, whether it's a pencil, whether it's uh, you mm-hmm. know shoes, uh, a dress, a hat, you know, little pins that they wore for uh, Ukraine symbolization, and um, that this box now is something that it's their very own. They made it. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's Somebody gave it to them or somebody bought for them. It's something that they actually made themselves. They designed it. They have it, and it's their own possession. So the kids were just sort of holding on to it as, wow, hmm. this is mine. Mm-hmm. So it had this sort of emotional, psychological uh, benefit of what it was intended for, but then there was this unintended thing that now they have something that's personal that they actually own themselves from what they made. Yeah. As we were doing this, what was interesting is Ivanka Trump Comes in. Yeah. So uh, she was doing some humanitarian activities over there. So she came into the, uh, you know, to watch my daughter in the middle of this project mm-hmm. and watched it to go to completion. And so I have a video of my daughter explaining art therapy yeah. to Ivanka <laughs> Trump, you know, in the situation. So it's just sort of interesting how God uh, sort of brought things together. And, you know, we were in a very contentious um, political situation that really wore on, you know, all three of my daughters and Gigi mm-hmm. being my youngest. Um, and so, you know, we have a tainted view of what politicians are or what they do or, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. But to be able to see, there was no TV cameras or nothing there, but to be able to just see her and how she interacted with the kids and to see that side of a, you know, mm-hmm. somebody with that kind of stature mm-hmm. was sort of interesting for Gigi to see. And then to be able to interact with her yeah. in that kind of way was, uh, you know, was really fun and we neat. and have her and,
0: show interest and care. That's yeah. awesome. And for
4: me, you know, Gigi has always been, my daughters have always been, I write devotionals and I do a lot of ministry in my house, my Kitchen table has often been, you know, the office. And so mm-hmm. they're always helping in various ways. So I was actually the one now helping Gigi mm-hmm. and being her first assistant when it was always role reversal. So it was sort of interesting just sort of me helping my little baby yeah. sort of now do this really cool thing in this middle of Poland and yeah. Warsaw with these Ukrainian refugees and be able to support her and be her assistant and watch her direct and use her skills. And huh, that was sort of just cool. a fun thing as a dad and sort of your pride, you know, comes well, through with something like that.
0: It is so cool. And and I'd like to ask, I mean, obviously, because, you know, folks listening are, you know, that's a very, very tangible touch point of being able to be involved and to care. Um, it seems that to me, Dr. Carl, that like since, you know, the invention of mass media, and now more recently, social media and everything, the whole world has opened up to us. And so we see a lot of folks who, you know, you mentioned compassion fatigue for those who are on the front lines, but it seems like even that informational slash compassion fatigue of like, when we see the horrors going on in the world, and there are things that we maybe can't directly affect, because we're an ocean away, or we're whatever, What's a what's a good way to be aware of what's happening and care without taking on all the burdens of the world and feeling helpless to not solve things, to not be, you know, able to tangibly help folks right now, right in the space that we're in? Um, What's the what's the best way to process that in our own heads and hearts and then also to do what we can wherever we are?
4: No, that's a great question. You know, there's, uh, you know, my generation, I'm 59, I'm going to be 16 in a couple months. And my generation is able to car- compartmentalize a lot of times. Sort of my kids' generation, they're, you know, they're a much more sensitive generation that, you know, they have a heart and a compassion mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. you know, people are hurting. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's dear to see. But sometimes, especially with social media, there's so much hurting, it just becomes overwhelming yeah. in the process. So, uh, you know, one thing I work with my patients a lot on is trying to figure out, well, what are their, what are healthy? boundaries for them. You know, what are they able to take in? What are their limits on social media? Sometimes you just sort of have to put parameters on. Okay, I can only do one hour a day. Mm-hmm. You know, periodically I have one daughter who she just takes a break for a week mm-hmm. and just goes off social media just because of how overwhelming and how those, you know, she's a therapist, but just hearing all that stuff and not being able to do something mm-hmm. about it is just frustrating for her. So each person needs to know what their limits are, uh, needs to understand how how they can turn off uh, from those kinds of situations. Um, and then to be able to, we don't want to be callous. So how can we help? Um, you know, CityServe is the organization I went with. Uh, you can go to their website. They're doing a lot of relief down in Florida right now with uh, mm-hmm. what just happened with Hurricane Ian, but they're still involved with uh, uh, the Ukraine situation. And then, you know, in my area, we have a uh, big Russian-Ukrainian population. And so there's all kind of different people that I saw on Nightly News that are doing various different fundraisers. Mm-hmm. You know, they are uh, Ukrainian, they're selling cheese or they're selling olives or they're making pierogies or they're doing whatever to raise money and they're sending that money over to buy supplies or whatever. So if you have people in your local uh, area in your community that are connected to that cause, they're that doing fundraisers, even if it only seems like it's, well, it's only $200 or it's only, they've only raised 600 or whatever. Whatever it is, all that, those people, we are sending it over there. It's helping families. It's helping people. It allows you to connect to somebody here to develop a relationship with here. It allows you to do something tangible that you can see it tangibly happen and what's going on with it. And I think that really helps people feel a lot better and feel like they're in the game without having to be overwhelmed with mm-hmm. the traumas and the tribulations of it in an ongoing kind of way.
0: Yeah. It's so wild because it seems like, again, when we are trying to stay in tune with the news and what's going on, it it can almost become like, um, you know, like that game of whack-a-mole where you're like, okay, how do I address this? How do I care about this? Okay, but I care about this. And, you know, you just obviously with Ukraine, and now you alluded to the hurricane, uh, Hurricane Ian in Florida, we see that North Korea just fired a missile over Japan. It's like, where... (laughs) Is there anywhere in the world that we can look at where we're like, oh, okay, well, we don't have to worry about them just now because there's all this other stuff going on? Any specific um, prayer requests coming out of your trip and what you know is still going on in Ukraine that we can be praying for as a boundless community as we look forward into the new year and and make sure that we don't just, you know, move on and business as usual in our own lives?
4: Yeah, so... uh there's a lot of pastors over there that have taken on refugees and uh, opened up their churches and opened up their families. So just prayers for them that they're, you know, God's able to sustain them and that they reach out to that power that he can provide for them, uh, that peace that they don't feel like they have to be a savior mm-hmm. and save everyone, but to yeah. understand, you know, what is God asking them to do and to be able to steward that without being overwhelmed in the process. Um, There's certainly uh, so many little kids uh, from, you know, Ukrainian kids that are uh, displaced. Um, They're trying to get them in schools in Poland, trying to get them acclimated in just a sense of normalcy so that they don't fall behind by Mm. being displaced. Um, They've already lost a bunch of things to lose education and to lose their sort of space in the in the continuum, so to speak. So how they can be attended to both psychologically, emotionally, relationally, obviously spiritually, but then academically in those kind of spaces, you know, what does that look like for them? So that their parents would um, be resourced, you know, in some ways that they're, you know, either their spouse is lost um, uh, or uncertain where they're at and uh, they have to take care of their kids. So those mothers and grandmothers are are the bulk of those uh, people that they, uh, God gives them strength and uh, resiliency to be able to step into those Places, um, anybody that they can support, you know, as far as city serve and those kind of organizations that can bring aid, uh, but just that people can understand the peace that God has for them mm-hmm. uh, in this trials and tribulations and turbulent times that um, I don't know if it's going to go away mm-hmm. anytime soon. There's right. going to be difficulties for a while in that region. So i um, trying to figure out well, who are those organizations that can help sustain them and how do they develop those bonds and that trust uh, to be able to be comforted by that.
0: Yeah, so good. Well, folks, um, you know, we've been talking to Dr. Carl Benzio, you know him, he's been here on the show a number of times, uh, a psychiatrist and author speaker, talking about his trip to Poland and his ability to work with Ukrainian refugees there, such a great opportunity for him and uh, also for us to learn about what God is doing in other parts of the world, even through some of the toughest, toughest stuff. Well, we want you to go uh, to you can actually uh, go to boundless dot org and uh, search for seven six eight. That's this week's episode. Um, You can find out some links that we have there, including a link to the American Association of Christian Counselors, which is what Dr. Carl is part of, and there's some great information there. Or you can go to focusonthefamily.com slash get help and actually get connected with one of our counselors here at Focus on the Family, and they can probably get you started on a continuum of care right where you are and give you some helpful resources as well. So feel free to avail yourself, Of that. Dr. Carl, thanks so much.
4: Hey, great to be with you, Lisa, and your listeners.
0: Everyone, we are at the tail end of our show, but we don't want to forget our inbox, which is one of your questions that you send in, and we bring in someone to answer it. And so today, I have my friend Josh Zychik. Hey, Josh. Hey, Lise. We were just talking about how we sit near one another here in this building, but don't see each other too often. We've been around and about. Not frequently enough. I know. So... Well, that's why I said, you know, why don't you just come down and answer a question and then I can say hi. So, <laughs> so this one uh, from one of our guys, this is a really good one. He says, first of all, I love this question because he's referencing a segment on our show that is like, I don't, I want to say like eight or nine years ago. So Long time
5: listener, first time caller. Thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for going back to old shows or maybe you're a new listener. So I love that. Um, that said, let me go ahead and read his questions. He says, I came across the segment height hang up on the show. And I happen to be a shorter man myself. In that segment, you address the importance of having self-confidence. And I was wondering, what does that look like? Everyone says I need to be more confident, yet I'm not sure how doing so meshes with being humble. How can I practice genuine confidence and stay humble?
5: Yeah, it's a good question. I, um, I guess I should start out by saying that my wife is actually taller than me. Maybe that's helpful for the context. So you're the listener is not thinking, uh, I don't relate on some level. Yeah. Um, but That's but great. let me say it this way. I, I think of three words when I thought of this question, identity, sovereignty, and personally. Um, in our identity, we get our identity from what God has done for us, what Christ has done for us. So when you start thinking through the scriptures that talk to that, um, we're forgiven. We're children. We're heirs. We're citizens of heaven. We're more than conquerors. We're ambassadors. We're transformed. I mean, th- it goes on and on and on and our identity, who we are, should first be thought of in the lens of what the gospel has done for us. But then sovereignly, uniquely, God has uh, made this writer, this, uh, this person asking the question, who they are, and made me who I am, made you who you are. So he knows how many hairs are on our unique heads. He knows us from the womb. He has made us and put us in this time in history, this context, the, the country we're in, the state we're in, the family we're in, the the friends we have in our spheres, everything about our lives, he's orchestrating. So we have to take those two things and say, okay, our identity is in Christ, and you add the fact that he God has sovereignly woven our life in a certain way, and then personally, in light of our identity and sovereign, God's sovereign plan, we don't need to find our worth, our assurance, our confidence in things like our height because we know God made us that way. So so it's it changes how we view life. It changes our perspective. Essentially, I'm calling for this writer to think about um, their situation from a Christian worldview, not from a secular worldview. Mm-hmm. Don't view your value. Don't view your worth. Don't view your confidence through how tall you are. Don't find your self-confidence in in what God has created because he he was intentional in that. So therefore, find your confidence um just in who you are in the Lord and and I know that sounds probably a little bit um basic or christian or or like a Sunday school type answer, but I think it comes down to an issue of faith. I think when we start to find our our joy and our comfort and our identity in something other than the gospel, we will. it will let us down. We will feel a lack of confidence. We will feel unsure. Our emotions will waver. And so I'm just saying, root your identity and your, your confidence in what the Lord has done in and not in what you might perceive other people think of you based on your height.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good word. And it just reminds me of, because I feel like whether it was in this uh, previous segment that our listener referenced or something else, I, I probably said it here before, that It's very easy for us to go, for anyone to go into a relationship acting like we have to be a salesperson and like sell ourselves. And it's always kind of a three-way street because the Lord has to be involved in this relationship Mm -hmm. as well. So it's not you trying to conjure up some kind of qualities that are going to make you attractive to another person. So I always say from a practical perspective and speaking as a female in this, guys, Be about awesome stuff. Just be about your life and what God has called Mm -hmm. you to do and just do it and work it out and just be, just rock it, you know, Mm -hmm. and do and not worry about like what women are noticing or who, (laughs) you know, what that looks like. I think that's, it's so freeing to be able to focus on that.
5: You're spot on. And I will say it wasn't as if I married my wife and didn't have the thought cross my mind, like, what will people think of me? And what will the pictures look like? Like, it's not as if Mm -hmm. I didn't think through those things. But I had to replace those thoughts with more meaningful thoughts like, does she fit me well? Is this mm-hmm. a good relationship? Is this a, a good relationship that will honor the Lord? So you, you have to look at what matters more.
0: Yeah, yeah, because what would you have missed out on mm-hmm. had you really obsessed about that? So, Well, thank you so much for weighing in on that. That's really great. Okay, folks, we are at the end of this week's episode, but of course, we have almost 15 years of episodes. (laughs) That you can go back. If you have not, again, listener who had our inbox question, thank you for just listening to past shows because we can all continue to learn. And so I want to remind you that you can do that. You can search for uh, keywords on boundless.org and also for questions that we have answered in the past. So uh, check them out and you can write to us at editor at boundless.org. Let us know what you think or ask a question for the future. In the meantime, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless. Show.
5: The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family.